Do scents evoke memories and transport you back to being on the beach during your favorite vacation? I know they do for me. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil smells like summer or the beach in Aruba, bottled with all natural uplifting notes of mango, mandarin, grapefruit, lime, and cypress. But it's not just about the elevated scent. This body oil is clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and deeply moisturize, leaving skin silky and soft. It delivers that coveted post-vacation glow, like you just returned from a tropical getaway. And right now, you can get 10% off your first order with our code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. I love Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I use it every single day and I have for so many years. It makes me feel silky smooth and just glowing. This body oil is rich but never greasy and clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. It visibly firms your skin, leaving you more sculpted and toned. No wonder I feel so great after using it. But it gets even better. With Osea, you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Osea's products are clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. They are a women-founded company that has been making seaweed-infused skincare for over 28 years. So bring on summer. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care at Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Welcome, my loves, to a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. I am fresh out of therapy, literally ended a therapy session five minutes ago, and now I'm sitting here in the bedroom of this Airbnb that we have here in Sweden for another month and a half. I'm looking out at the, it's not a river, what am I looking at? A canal? <laughs> is a canal? Is that is that an English word? Is that a thing? In Swedish, it's called a canal, which literally translates to a canal, so it's like a <laughs> a slivery piece of water that looks like river-ish. Anyway, I'm looking out at the water here and um, appreciating the beauty of Sweden at this time of year and just feeling very soft and open and sad and vulnerable and tired. And <sighs> yeah, how are you? I mean, really, if you could imagine that I'm sitting across from you or we're sitting next to each other looking at the Swedish canal as you're listening to these words. And I would ask you, you know, how are you doing? You can place a hand to the heart for a moment and just feel into the answer to that question. How are you? So I'm feeling vulnerable and soft and open and sad. It's a lot of things to feel. Um, you can also feel many, many things in this moment. So give yourself a moment of permission right now, almost like you have some space to vent, but you're not venting to an actual person. You're venting on the inside or venting energetically, emotionally. Just give yourself a little bit of space to really release and let out whatever feelings are there. Right. So what would it look like right now if you were to move your body a little bit in a way that supports the feelings that you have on the inside? So first, take a moment with your hand to your heart just to check. What am I feeling? What is this moment like? What is this experience and this body like right now? 
and then start to move the body just really gently. Okay, so if you're out in public right now, you're out for a walk or you're listening to this at the grocery store or something, permission to be a little weird, right? Permission to shrug your shoulders a little bit. Maybe that's helpful. Sometimes stretching a little bit. You know, if you practice a lot of yoga, you probably have this this habit of just stretching a couple times a day. Well, there is a an emotional component to that as well, where we take up a little more space as we stretch our arms up and out. We give the body and the heart more space to exist. It's that inner expansion, that outer expansion. Maybe that feels good right now. What's a physical movement shape, something you can do right now in support of the feelings that you're holding in your heart? Maybe it's standing up and just jumping up and down a couple times. Maybe it's 15 jumping jacks right now. Go. (laughs) Maybe it's a full body shake. Actually, I started doing that just sitting here right now. I'm doing a seated shake. So I'm shaking my fingers and my upper arms and my shoulders and my boobs and my neck and my head and even my belly, everything that I can shake in this moment. I'm just shaking. So maybe you want to shake a little bit too. Okay, let's take a minute from this moment right now to do some kind of movement that's supportive to us in this here now. Big deep breaths as you continue shaking or jumping or stretching or just gently moving your body in a way that feels good. And continue to breathe in through the nose all the way down into the belly and just take up as much space as you feel like you need or take up less space if if what you need is a little bit of introspection or maybe a sense of safety. You just want to wrap your arms around yourself and be small for a little while. Something that serves you, let your body take that physical expression right now. Become fully embodied into what you need in this moment. And let's do another three full breaths, just the way we are moving the body, breathing, being right here. And let's do a cleansing breath all together to close that moment. So full inhale in through the nose, open the mouth and let go. And let's drop right in. Close the eyes if that feels good. Hands can come back to the heart or the heart and the belly or just the belly. And just notice for a moment. Notice any feelings moving around the body right now. Check in for any physical sensation that you might feel. In this moment, I can actually feel a very tangible, almost like little prickles up and down the sides of my back. So all the way up the waist, actually, like little little waves of mini goosebumps coming my way. And I can feel that energy, that prickly kind of awakening of energy all up and down my spine and the sides of the waist. And it feels, feels present, feels alive. <laughs> all of a sudden I feel, feel awake. Yeah, my body is awake. Noticing any shifts that might have taken place just from giving yourself that minute of movement, a minute of physical expression. Take another moment right now, just breathing through the nose, totally present with yourself. Totally present right here, just the way you are. Hmm. 
And as we continue to move deeper into this podcast, you know, permission to continue doing these kinds of things, right? Continue to move the body in a way that feels good. Permission to stay totally present as you listen to this show. Permission to stay with your eyes closed, hands to heart the entire time. Permission to feel bigger feelings, right? To cry, to drop a little bit deeper into something that wants to be released. And if you want to blink your eyes open and go about your day as you're listening to this show, of course, permission to do that too. Hmm. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. I'm in that space right now where I could burst into total laughter or just ball. <laughs> like I could just, I could just cry right now. I could cry or laugh. Maybe both. Maybe I will. Yeah. <laughs> Good intention for this the podcast episode. Maybe I'm going to cry today. <sighs> it's been an overwhelming week. I got to say. So yes, of course, I just came out of therapy. So I am feeling, you know, more vulnerable and open and, and all of the things than I than I normally am. And actually, I love capturing that space. So I've been in really consistent therapy every week, never miss a week ever. I think, I've, you know, in the past almost two years, I've missed two weeks, maybe three tops. Like I never miss a week. Something I'm, I'm practicing more, you know, I used to, when I started therapy, I would kind of jump in, like whenever I had a session, it would be in the middle of a work day and oops, it's this time. And I would just go from whatever I was doing to therapy. And then when I was done, I would take a breath and then go right back into my day, right? Go to Dennis and Leia or go back to work. And now I'm practicing giving myself a little more space around these sessions, right? Because they're overwhelming at times. I mean, going deep into yourself at any given moment is overwhelming, especially if you don't have the ability to do that all the time throughout the day, which for most of us, we don't live that way. You know, and I can sense that if I've had a week where I've been a little more closed or a little more 
shutdown, which I have this week, then of course the sessions become bigger and more important and more tangible. Like I find bigger awakenings or bigger learnings about myself, or I feel bigger feelings in those sessions. And I'm really practicing giving myself space, especially after that I don't go from a therapy session into the rest of my day, but that I stay in that space on my own. Whether that's a couple minutes of journaling right after I'm done, whether it's that kind of practice we just did together where I just check in with my body and I move for 5, 10, 15, whatever, one minute is good enough too, just in a way that's supportive. And sometimes that's literally rolling up in a ball under the covers in bed and crying my eyes out. That's a physical expression, you know, of, of get me meeting my own needs. And sometimes it's those jumping jacks, right? Sometimes it's like going for a run or taking Ringo for a walk or rolling out my yoga mat or sometimes it's just sitting in silence with my hand to my heart feeling what's there, you know, but it's a good practice, I think, for all of us to have that whenever we come into something sacred that we carve out enough space to transition in and transition out. And the beauty of this life is that there are so many things that are sacred. So many things we can make sacred in a day. Like listening to this podcast is a beautiful example of that. You can listen to this show while you're scrolling on Instagram, right? You can listen to this show in the background while you're sending a bunch of emails. You can tend to a million different things and kind of half listen, right? You can be distracted and listen. You can also be present and really have this podcast be a part of your day. Maybe it's something you look forward to in the week. You're really here for it. Like maybe you pop popcorn and make yourself a cup of tea and you're like, oh my God, it's podcast time. You know, that's being present. You can also make it absolutely sacred, right? I mean, like clear your space before you start, light a candle, like make yourself something really special to drink or eat meditate a little bit before you begin, set an intention for this time and really drop into that deep heart space where you're just listening from a real sacred place. And of course, it's just a podcast, you know, it's it's not like we're we're in the what can I compare it to? It's not like we're in church. <laughs> and I love the concept of applying church to everywhere you go. Yeah, listening to podcasts can be church right? Rolling at your yoga mat can be an hour of sweating vinyasa practice, like doing chaturanga push-ups because you want to tone your body. It can be church, right? It can be the most sacred, most important, most like religious moment of your week, right? Same thing with this podcast, same thing with feeding your kids, right? Going to the grocery store, doing your work, tending to your garden, cleaning your house. Like our lives are made up of a minutia of details, just accumulation of little moments and things that we do in a day that can either be really challenging, can either be really boring. They can be completely checked out where we're not even there for them. Or we can break those things down and we can see how much presence and sacred energy can we bring into each one of those moments. Now, of course, I don't want to sit here pretending like I'm some holier than thou Buddha and I wake up every morning and I have those sacred moments one after the other. Oh, hell no. You guys know I'm, I'm as human as everybody else. Like I yell at my husband and <laughs> bicker with him about stupid stuff like laundry and I get annoyed with my daughter when she, you know, she gets overwhelming sometimes and I get stressed about stuff. Like, of course, you know, I get anxiety, all of these things, but 
having that sort of in the background static, just this anchor into I want to live a really present life. And that feeling, that knowing, that longing, like I want to live a sacred life. I want to look back at my life at the end of my days and go, I lived like I was there for that. I was here for this. And that knowing, which was this, I think my one of my first awakenings when I went down this road of, of spirituality, this journey of awakening, whatever you want to call it. Can we call it something that doesn't sound so fucking douchey? When I went down the path toward enlightenment, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, we're all trying our best here, okay? Like, I don't need to sit here with my overflowing laundry basket and, like, my my really messy kitchen and my, like, inability to make decisions about my life and listen to some holier-than-thou person on Instagram say that they are on the path of enlightenment. Like, that is not helpful for me. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little judgy there. But you know, like this work that we're all doing, because it's fucking work, like waking up every day, wanting to have a good life, not wanting to be miserable, like that kind of awakening where we just want to feel purposeful in our lives, right? We don't want life to suck anymore, like that awakening. (laughs) I love that. Do you guys want to go down the path of not wanting life to suck anymore, And then we can let all the super quasi spiritual new agey people that I I just can't relate with as much, they can go to enlightenment over there, right? And I I know I sound judgy when I, and I don't mean to judge anybody, but there's something about the, I guess, an internalized feeling that I have, right? And it's like, because all of this, anything we judge in any other person reflects from the inside, like back to us, of course, right? And I have this this old idea that I've had of, to be a really spiritual person, here is what your life should look like. Here's what your day should be. Here's what your body should look like. Here's what your devotion looks like in the material aspect of that sense. And my life doesn't look like that anymore, right? I have had years of my life where I felt like I really fit into this this plan, this box I had in my brain of, okay, well, here's how much I need to be meditating Here's how many retreats I need to be going to every year. Here's how much time I need to be spending with my teachers. Here's how many retreats I should be leading, right? How much time I should be able to cultivate this teaching. And here's what I should eat, what I shouldn't eat, what my body should be able to do. Like I had all these ideas of, you know, but all of that is just, it's it's bullshit. Like we know that's not what makes a spiritual person. Like most spiritual people I've ever met in my life, like don't look anything like the shit we see online, like the things you imagine from those books that we might read, like those super wholesome, super pure, like it's not, that's not what it is, right? That the cool thing about it is that the essence of spirituality lies in our ability to embrace our humanity, right? It's like humanity and divinity, they go hand in hand. And the people I've learned the most from, that I've felt the most inspired by, the people that have helped to wake me up, right? They were never those like, you know, up at like 3 a.m. meditating in a cave, eating only raw food kind of people, which was this idea I had in my head of like, here's what I should be doing so that I'm super spiritual. And it's like, no, you know what? <laughs> like, it's, it's okay to do this life the way we are. Right, Because if we have to make all of those 
changes and we have to adapt ourselves and bend over backwards to fit into this idea, then what's the point, right? Then we're never going to do it. We're never going to get there because we feel like we're too far away, right? If it's like, I have to be at that retreat center. I have to be in the Amazon. I have to be in Costa Rica. I have to be somewhere else for this grand awakening. Then why the fuck should I try to make my laundry sacred, right? There's no point in doing that. Why should I try to make any of the mundane stuff that makes up my life sacred? Like there's no point, right? It's too far away. And I love, love just the mere idea of, you know, which is like basic Buddhist mindfulness 101 is take the mundane thing and be there for that, right? Like wash your hands and really be there, be totally present and aware in the practice of washing your hands. Like bring all of your senses into that moment, be in your body, breathe in your body and be there for that moment, which sounds so bizarre because aren't we here for every moment? But of course, the truth of the matter is that we're not. Most of us were kind of checked out all the time. Like when was the last time you were really present, really mindful for one of the regular things that you do in your day? And I love this whole idea that, I mean, it's not just an idea, the, the, the practice of being able to take regular life and making it special. Because if we don't do that, then we're going to look back at the end of our days and we're going to look and see a life that we weren't really there for. And we're going to have trickled in moments of presence, right? Like looking back at our lives and we're 95 or let's say we're all going to be 100 at least, okay? And we're going to be happy, hundred year olds. Like we're going to be one of those 100 year olds that like lived and we look back and we look at our lives and not like, oh, look at all the yoga I did that I was really there for. You know, several, like a couple hours a week I was there. No, like I want to look back and go, okay, like look at the messiness of my life. And I was there for most of it. Even when I fucking hated it, even when it was really hard and it was boring and it was dull and it was messy and unorganized and not what I wanted it to be, but there I was right? That's the practice. That's the essence of spirituality. Whichever religion you adhere to, whatever you believe in, if you believe in God or the universe or love or nothing, whatever, like that's the practice for all of us is to be here for this, right? To listen to this podcast, to these words and be here, to clean up the kitchen and do that and be there for that, right? To be present with our kids and our pets and the people that we love, And then to recognize when we check out and love ourselves in that moment too, right? Be present with the checkout. And that's also the, this other cool layer to this is that whenever we find ourselves checking out, like I checked out this week, I had a hard week. I had a week of tangible physical anxiety for a variety of reasons, but I just had a week where it was really hard for me to be in my body right? And for a lot of us, it's really hard to be in our bodies a lot of the time. And we live in a society that doesn't nurture or nourish our ability to be here. We live in a society that gains from us checking out. We're literally surrounded by technology that is geniusly created to make sure we stay checked out for a maximum amount of time possible every single day. Like we're living in these apps that are designed by literal geniuses designed to make us stay there, right? And when we're on our phones, when we're scrolling, when we're doing stupid bullshit stuff, we're not here. We're not present. We're not in the body. We're not relating to people. We're not in nature. We're just checked out on our phones, right? And it's also a huge part of this. It's like, it's so much of it is beyond our control. Like it's really hard to fight all this stuff. It's hard to fight consumerism 
It's hard to fight capitalism. It's hard to fight the idea that we're supposed to, you know, come to this earth so that we can work and succeed and then die, right? Like we're so much of this bullshit that isn't what life is about has been ingrained in us since we were kids. It was ingrained in our parents when they were kids, our grandparents, like it's long, it's deep, it's heavy. So for us to be here, to make this commitment to want to be here for life, like that's already going against the grain. That's already making a decision to do something challenging, right? To live a life that isn't really, it's kind of out of alignment of, of the external of the material society that we're in. You're kind of telling the rest of the world, like, I don't want to do it that way. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to be here for all of this. And it's a radical, courageous, fucking amazing decision to make, right? It's like how we come back to life. But then we don't have all of these things nurturing us in that and supporting us in that. And for me this week, that that checking out just became super tangible. It wasn't just moments in my day where I felt like, oh my God, I got a little lost on my phone. And then, I, you know, because most of our days are a combination of checking out and checking in right? I mean, we can check in and check out and we're present. And then all of a sudden we get lost a little bit. And then, you know, without thinking about that, we're in a present moment, sacred practice of something like we're present with our kids. We're cooking a meal and we're really there for that. We're creating, we're relating. We're in the middle of a great conversation with a friend. We're going for a walk in nature. Like we have all of these moments of total sacred presence that happen throughout the day, right? But then we have so much that pulls us away from that and that kind of brings us to those places of checking out all the time. And it's good. Like it's a cool thing to be able to go between these two different sides especially if you've lived a life where for most of your life you were checked out like for me up until I was 18 I was I don't think I spent a second in my body present there you know feeling my actual feelings like I was in this complete permanent state of fight or flight you know not even recovering from trauma because I wasn't even aware of the fact that I was traumatized like that was the first 18 years of my life and then this awakening of, oh, I don't want life to suck anymore. Okay, <laughs> path to enlightenment, here we go. And it sort of opens up this whole different way of life, right? With opportunities to be present and to be present and to be present. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And this week, it was like anxiety just like, I don't have a name for my anxiety. Someone recommended that to me the other day. Like, you should name your anxiety. Like, is it a he or a she or a non-binary? Like, what if you would envision your anxiety as like a, a person or like as an entity? Like, what is it or who is it? And I'm kind of playing around with the idea of that now just to, you know, name it to tame it. When you get overwhelmed with something, name that emotion to tame that emotion, right? And when we name anxiety and we can actually start to label it and okay, it becomes more boxed into itself so we can separate ourselves from the anxiety a little easier. So instead of something is wrong with me, 
right? Something is wrong with my life. Something is wrong with the whole world, which is this feeling that anxiety gives you. Something is wrong. It becomes, okay, well, there's anxiety here and it's over there. So something is wrong over there in that bubble of the anxiety. But the bubble isn't me. It's not like something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with all of my life. It's like, oh, there's a feeling of something being wrong in that bubble of the anxiety. And then I can step back a little bit and look at it from the outside and breathe with it a little bit objectively. You know, it's a, it's a helpful practice. Name it to tame it. If I think of a good name, <laughs> like actual name for this little, this little version of a person of my anxiety, I'll let you guys know. But I just couldn't, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, anxiety came to stay, like parked in my body. Like that's the feeling. And for me, anxiety normally feels very much like a mental thing. Like I can sense it's my, the voice of my inner critic gets very loud. I get super harsh and hard on myself. I can sense this feeling of mental activity. Like I'm busy in my mind all the time. Like this, I, my, my thoughts are jumping from one thing to the next and the next and the next. And I can make lists in my head of all the things that are wrong and all the ways I am wrong and I'm not good enough. And it becomes just this very mental cluttery that that's what anxiety for me it's it's always feels like a very mental thing but this week it became this very 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 physical experience where it was kind of at the for a couple of days yeah last week for a couple of days it was at the undercurrent kind of of everything I was doing all the time it was like I would have a good moment or um, like I had a dance session in the grass in the garden which was awesome and the reason I did that practice was because I was feeling anxious and I'm like, I need something. So I, I, I danced for a while, fully in my body, sweating, moving, like feeling great. And then I finished and I'm like, oh yeah, that was really good. And then anxiety came right back, right? So instead of it being me feeling good in my day-to-day -day life and sometimes anxiety would pop up, which is my normal life, it was like anxiety was the normal and I would take breaks from anxiety to be present in my body or to, to move or to go to a resource that's helpful for me, right? So it was already that, like I had this feeling constantly, like something's not right, something's not right. And then over the weekend, and we had such a beautiful weekend, which like made this even stranger for me somehow. Like I had a fight with Dennis last week. We were just, we've been, yeah, this whole year. I mean, we've been, on these it's like kind of like we're on a train but we're on two separate trains that's the feeling we've, I've had since mold began basically and most of the time these trains it's like we're on the same track and we're side by side close together and we're going the same direction and like we're communicating and it's good and then all of a sudden something happens and then we just separate like the tracks just take like a wide turn outward and all of a sudden we can't hear each other anymore we're not talking like it's like it's like we're, we're not going in the same direction anymore and then all of a sudden like the tracks will kind of come back to center again and then like we're on the same track again and then we're like holding hands and we're in this together and it's been like that all year it's like we're together and then all of a sudden we drift apart and we're fighting about stuff and it's because we have so many major life decisions to make we haven't been in alignment around everything there's a lot of changes that I have made that he hasn't resonated with and the other way around. And 
and you know not being settled not having a proper home not being grounded like it just it makes everything hard in so many ways for both of us but then last week we started fighting and it was like something petty that of course was deeper on the inside and it became a proper fight and we went to bed without repairing which is rare it's it's I'm trying to think like is that does that happen for us like I don't I don't think so I can't remember like we're we're good at coming back to each other if we have because you know if you're married you know shit can get vicious like love can turn into like viciousness fast if you if you've been married for a long time and we're good at coming back to each other to repair to connect to close and then that night like last week we didn't we had a fight it was late at night fight continued and then just fuck it like he went to bed and I already had this feeling of anxiety, which was around a lot of different things. And and I think it was, this was like the straw that broke the camel's back was this night, I just all of a sudden felt really isolated. I felt really alone. I felt like, okay, not only am I sitting with this uncertainty and this anxiety that's just in the back uh, background all the time, but now all of a sudden my one person, you know, it's like Dennis is my, he's my, he's my person. I just felt really alone. I felt like he checked out and just, no, like that doesn't matter. And then I, it was late. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. And I put my head on the pillow and the anxiety that I've always experienced as this mental thing, it became completely physical. So my heart started racing to the point of like, I had to sit up, turn on the lights practice full-on pranayama like yogic breathing techniques really specific to try to really rein my body back in to try to rein my mind back in to try to just find some structure because it was like my heart is beating out of my chest like I'm getting a heart attack nothing worked yeah it was like my body was electric but in the worst possible way and then of course after and I had this the whole night it never stopped and then this kind of feeling like my the back of my throat was tightening like I couldn't breathe just this complete feeling of overwhelming panic and despair filling my body and didn't matter what I did like I tried to just I left the bedroom I tried to read a book I tried to listen to like a meditation on audio and then I did another meditation then I did like a sleep story on a sleep app like I <laughs> I did like all the things I rolled out my yoga mat you know I made tea like I'm just counting counting the things I tried right nothing worked no matter what I did this overwhelming feeling like I'm gonna die pretty much and of course afterwards like and also retelling this is like yeah I had a panic attack <laughs> yeah you know I had a panic attack making it like sound really complicated and, and hard and like strange and foreign like it was a panic attack I had a panic attack in the middle of the night and a long one one I like really couldn't get out of and if you've listened to this podcast a while, I've shared about my experience with with panic attacks before. I had them right around my burnout, actually right when To Love and Let Go, my second book came out and we were, Dennis and I, we were on in the middle of a book tour and I started getting these panic attacks. And this was also knowing now, like I was living with toxic mold and one of the major symptoms of toxic mold is anxiety. And I'm wondering now also how much of what I'm feeling now is physical and toxicity because that's like the mold goes to the brain it's literally a physical thing it fucks your endocrine system up it messes with your hormones your ability to produce what you need to feel happy I mean it is a really chemical thing that happens in the body when you have this overload of toxicity the way I had 
So, but I had these, I had these panic attacks then. And one of them was so paralyzing. It was like, I couldn't move my body. It was this complete feeling. I remember I was on the bed without a cover and I just, I, I couldn't move. I felt frozen. I felt this, like I was getting paralyzed. It was like the worst, worst moment of my life. And I'm not one of those people that has regular, common, all the time panic attacks. So for me, that was a big thing when that started happening then. And it was a huge warning sign, a real, real, real thing for me to recognize, okay, I'm not well. Like the way my life is going now, the way I'm pushing through all of these signals that my body had been telling me all year. This was what, three years ago? I think two and a half, three years ago. Two and a half, maybe. I think beginning 29. Oh my God, I can't remember a time. Anyway, it feels like a long time ago, but it wasn't that long ago. And I haven't had a panic attack since until this weekend. So finally, I think at 4.30, something like that. And I went to bed pretty early. So I mean, I had a lot of hours of this. 4.30, I pass out. And I don't even, it wasn't even passing out to the point of like, I was asleep. But suddenly I was awake and I had realized, oh, I did drift off, you know, but it wasn't like I slept. And I think I, I got 90 minutes of drifting off-ish, not even really sleep, right? So that having a night like that is not something you can just shake off. And this is something I really want to hold space for, for anyone listening who suffers and deals with panic attacks on a regular basis, or who deals with anxiety on a major, in a major level on a regular basis, who has any of these things going on. We can't just shrug this shit off and go to work. Like this is, and, and I really, because I haven't had one in so long, and I'm now in this space where I'm so present with my body right because of all the detoxing I'm doing and what am I eating what am I not eating what am I feeling what am I not feeling how am I sleeping like I'm really listening to my body these days and the next day I swear to god it was like the feeling was like I was I, I like the worst hangover I've had in my entire life like I felt completely hungover with emotion with heaviness with just Oh, and this feeling of dread on the inside. Physically, it took me several days to recover from this night. And emotionally, I mean, it's, I started feeling better today. It's Thursday today. It's like a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that feeling of dread of something not being right, that feeling also of every night I would go to bed, I was like, is this going to happen again? Am I going to have this panic attack tonight? Am I not going to sleep again? Am I going to feel like I'm dying, you know, like the mind plays these tricks on you. And then of course, the mind is super powerful and can also trigger these things like going down the rabbit hole of is it going to happen? And then all we can think about is the panic versus the peace that's also available. Right? So it's just it's been a hard, it's been a hard week. And I'm trying really hard, which I know anyone who deals with anxiety of any kind, the go to thing constantly and I mean this is the human thing we do we experience a hard emotion a hard feeling a hard time is let me go fix this right and the hard thing about this for me is one I'm really good at fixing shit <laughs> not saying if you suck at fixing things like life is easier but I know there's a part of me that knows if I just organize all the details of my life like if I just make all the lists of everything I need everything my family needs all the steps A to Z, what I need to figure out for us to feel rooted. And when I say us, of course, I mean me. Like my kid is fine. Dennis is fine. It's me. I'm, I'm the one with the problem. For me to feel rooted, like what needs to happen? And that list is really big. It involves like 
major long-term life decisions like what continent are we going to live on for the next five to 10 years? Are we taking a mortgage to buy a house? If so, which country, which bank are we taking said mortgage from? And if so, what house is that mortgage for? We haven't found a house. We haven't found land. We haven't found anything that resonates as like, this is going to be home. So there's, you know, and then if all of those things would align, then I could nest, then I could create a garden, then I have this vision in my head of here is how I'm going to spend my time in this grounded way that that will make me feel good again, right? Anxiety will go away when my feet are planted on the earth and I know where my home is and I can plant seeds in the earth that I know I will eventually harvest where I can spend my days nesting, right? And especially for me, it's like nesting is, it's the most, I'm constantly nesting. Even at home, like where we lived in Aruba for so many years, I'm constantly, I have little projects around the house, little things I'm improving, little things I'm working on, little little ways I'm creative, little ways I'm making our house cozier and homier and more beautiful. Like I'm a Libra, I need the ambiance and the the beauty of like, here is where I, where I plant my feet every day, here is where I live. And then not having that and not having any prospects for that. And then also the attachment to that is like, oh, I'm fucking up my daughter. And, you know, she's had a whole year of being completely uprooted. She hasn't been to school since fucking beginning of March. We're talking it's it's end of July and she hasn't been to school since beginning of March. She misses her friends. She misses her life. She misses her teachers. Like, what am I doing? Like, you know, and I start to spin into this place of like, not just everything is bad, but I am bad. And there's a massive distinction between these things that I'm just I feel like I'm scratching at the surface of this and if and if anyone listening is resonating like take a take a breath with me right now (sighs) because this thing the feeling that anxiety gives us that everything is bad or sometimes it's just something's bad and we can't pinpoint what is it it's like we forgot something but we don't know what we forgot like we left something at home we don't know what it is something's bad we don't know what sometimes the feeling is everything is bad the world is bad our life is bad but what i often revert to is not just all of those things which is enough right it's enough horror it's enough anxiety as it is but i often revert to i am bad and i think this is something i'm not alone in and this was basically the the core of my therapy session just now was, you know, how much time do I spend in a day like feeling like I'm bad, like there's something inherently wrong with me. And I, and I really got to sit with that of like, well, first of all, is it true? Like, is that that's a limiting belief that I have, right? How often do I think that thought? How often do I have that inner critic telling me different variations of that belief? Something's wrong with you. You don't fit in here. You're not right. You're not doing this right. You're not good enough. You're not beautiful enough. You're not successful enough, smart enough, a good friend enough, a good enough mother, good enough wife, good enough. You know, your body is not right. You're not skinny enough. You're not, I can go like the list is literally endless. If I were to list all the ways that voice inside of me tells me that I am bad, that there's something wrong with me. And I got to really sit and hold that today of just like having that inner dialogue of of an inner voice being that harsh with yourself, being that rejecting of yourself, because that's what I'm doing when I'm in that space. Like this week, 
every day from the moment I woke up till the moment I went to bed, I found different ways to reject myself of, okay, I'm not good at that. I'm failing over here. I'm terrible over here. I'm bad at this. Actually, deep down, deep inside, if I really look at it, like there's something wrong with me. I'm not good. And even as I say that to you and I can like put on my adult hat and be like, that's stupid and that's bullshit. You're good enough and you're great. And look at all the things you're good at and look at what a good mother you are and look how good of a person you are. And, you know, but it's like, that's my adult brain telling me that. My inner child fully is absorbed in this belief that I'm bad. So it doesn't really matter, you know, in those moments how how much I try to be objective because I'm coming from it from the outside in. It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like you're having a hard time with something and then someone comes and gives you unsolicited advice. Have you tried doing this, you know? <laughs> like you're like, I'm, I'm feeling so stressed. Well, have you tried relaxing? <laughs> Why don't you just relax? I mean, it's like someone coming from the outside in who doesn't actually have the experience, right? Is telling you to do something, to change something, to fix something. Like it doesn't resonate. We're never going to make a change if it doesn't come and originates from the, the inside, from deep within. And when I try to do that with myself, which is what I do when I catch myself in negative thinking, I like put on a, let me be kinder to myself and no, but you're great. But it's not coming from that inner child place, right? And I can't make it come from that inner child place because my inner child feels like this is true. Like there's something wrong with me. So what do I do with that, right? And then really important piece of this is to identify where in our lives was this inherited to us or where in our lives as children was this conditioned onto us like where did we learn where did this limiting belief actually come from you didn't just conjure it up in your head one day out of the blue right you internalized this idea for a variety of reasons Either there were people there telling you when you were little that there was something wrong with you, that you weren't good enough, that you were bad. Like how many, how many of us got super scolded for a bunch of stuff all the time? I'm thinking about this just as a parent so, 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 so much. How fragile our children's nervous system are. I mean, when we're kids, our nervous systems are not developed yet. Like we're not anchored yet. We're literally fragile, tiny little beings but like we have our little antenna out for everything and then I have these massive even like I can talk about them and cry because I can feel that fear so intensely like knocking over a glass of milk and someone yelling at you like that happened to me all the time I mean I've had teachers and like not just parents but like you know and I see people do this today like I I, I see people parent in that way and it, I don't think it comes from a bad place of like, oh, let me let me make my child feel like they're bad or like they're doing something wrong when they make a mistake, right? It's like, oh, you spilled the milk again. Look at what you did. Like, sit sit down. I told you to sit down. Now you stood up and now you spilled the milk and now you made a mess. You know, oh, why can't you just listen to me? Like it comes from that, like, oh, this is so frustrating. I told you five million times to sit down and you didn't sit down and now you spilled the milk and now it's a mess. But as children, what we hear is, I'm a mess, right? I did something wrong. I must be bad. It's not like, oh, the milk spilled, which is a more objective, non-judgmental way to go about it. Or like, life is messy. We're going to spill all the time. It doesn't add or detract or any kind of anything around the value of who we are, 
right? And even if we are bad, like quote unquote, like say we make a mistake, say we actually do something that's wrong, like say we harm somebody or we betray somebody or we lie or what, like none of those things make us bad. And this is such a fucked up thing that we're, we're all raised into that idea that here's what it means to be good. So if I don't stick to that box, I'm bad. And I think all of us in a different way, and unless we had really conscious parents in this arena, we grow up with a little bit or a lot of this, right? That there is something wrong with us, that we're not good enough the way we are, that we're not worthy. And I think about this just as a parent constantly. When Leia spills or she drops something or something breaks, her first reaction is, oh, I broke it, but that's okay. It's okay to break things. <laughs> or if she spills, oh, I spilled, it's okay to spill because I so often tell her, like every time she spills, I say, it's okay, it's just a spill. If she spills the milk, I don't say, oh, you spilled the milk. I say, the milk spilled. It's like, that wasn't her intention. It's not her doing, you know, because unless she's standing in front of me, looking me in the eye, turning the glass of milk upside down intentionally, and then she's not spilling milk, then she's fucking pouring milk. It is a different conversation, right? So like there's ways we can go about this as parents also to just remove that personalization around the action, right? Like spilling milk is bad. You spill the milk, you are bad. As, as kids, we don't have mature enough brains to be able to make these distinctions. Like we can't. And I know my parents had great intentions and I see parents doing this now, like yelling for these things or and you can see kids like when that happens like their little nervous systems like their little bodies just like it's a shock you know being yelled at even if it's over a little thing like spilling or breaking something you know it signals to the body that this is not safe I'm not safe here and also I am doing something wrong I'm wrong like there's something about me that isn't right and it's so heartbreaking in a way to think about how these little things that no one meant to put onto us, like I don't think there's a single parent out there that's trying to make their kids feel like there's something wrong with them, but it happens so easily. Like our kids are so fragile and they're so vulnerable and they require just presence and compassion and kindness and love and gentleness. And and here's the kicker, because <laughs> of course all of this, there's a kicker. They require that we heal those things inside of ourselves too. They require that we give ourselves those things too. Because really, really, really think about it. Think about how sensitive children are. Think about how they, they understand and feel everything. So when we are having a really, really, really hard time, right? If we are beating on ourselves constantly, if we are super, super harsh on ourselves, if we have that inner critic loudly screaming at us every day that we are terrible people, even though we're parenting our children completely differently than how we were parented, that energy is still there. And we are not just parenting and teaching kids, we're also modeling behavior for them. So they're going to see, like Leia will see when I choose myself last, right? When I'm like, hey, did everybody eat today? And I'm like making sure everyone has food and drink and water and everything. And then I go, oh, wait, well, I didn't eat or oh, wait, I didn't drink water today. You know, like those things, it's not going to be tangible. Like I'm telling her in my face, hey, look, I'm putting myself, I'm putting other people's needs above my own, but she's going to notice that. And I'm modeling for her every day and all my actions, how to be a human being, how to be a mom, how to be a wife, how to be a woman, how to be whatever I am, right? So it's like, we can't just 
try to not do what was done to us, right? We also have to look at that inner child inside and hold ourselves in that pain and hold ourselves in that fear and really recognize that, man, I have this limiting belief that's super strong that there is something wrong with me. And that voice is there a lot. And when that voice comes up, everything gets really hard for me in my life. And when that voice gets really, really loud, I get panic attacks. Wow. Okay. You know, so we start to connect the dots of, okay, these things actually make sense. For me, at least, this is really helpful of this anxiety. It's not just something that's completely out of my control. I have no idea where it comes from, why it's there, and then it disappears. It's like I can start to connect certain dots. Not everything is going to make sense for us all the time, but I can see where, wow, it makes sense for me that this week, yeah, it was a hard week. Actually, all of these things added up and it put me in that place where, yeah, it became totally internalized in my body. But actually, all the things of having uncertainty, feeling rootless, not looking for a home and all of that stuff, fighting with Dennis, feeling rejected and alone, none of that compares to the rejection I put on myself, right? If I'm rejecting myself in hundred little ways every day, then, you know, the rejection I face out there in the world, it's just the reflection of what already is happening on the inside, what I'm already doing to myself. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. So I was literally like asking my my therapist today so like what do I do with that voice like I can't turn it off and she was like well maybe the point isn't to turn it off maybe the point is to realize and become present with when it was turned on like when it arose and what is it about those feelings and these specific triggers that brings this right back to you today and what your body and when you, what your inner child really is showing you and asking you for right now isn't to fix everything, isn't to get into this rigid space of making the lists and fixing this. It's like, what does your inner child want? And I'm like sitting with it, like, I don't know. She's like, well, when Leia is in the space, like when, if, imagine Leia was really feeling really alone, feeling really rejected, feeling like something's wrong with her. Can you imagine that? And when I put it in that view, like I imagine it's her, easily right away right away as a mom I'm like I know what she needs like she needs to be held she needs to be seen she needs to be heard and listened to like she needs kindness and compassion you know that's what she needs she doesn't need everything fixed and organized in a certain way like she just needs to be held okay well so there's my answer like when that voice gets really loud what do I do I find ways to hold myself. 
I find ways to be kind to myself. I find ways to take care of myself first, right? Before I look at everybody else and what everybody needs and fixing everything on the outside for other people, which I'm so great at, also because it's a massive distraction from ever having to take great care of myself. It's like, okay, what would it look like if I spent every single day this coming week completely honoring my own needs before anybody else's? really in presence with my own heart and also listening and holding that space for my inner child that, hey, I'm triggered now. I'm back in that pattern again. Okay, so what's something really loving I can do for myself in this moment? What's something truly kind that I can do now? And something that I realized that I used to feel a lot of shame for is that it's hard for me to do the kind thing for myself when I'm around people who need me. And this was a big wake-up call. Like when I'm actually in the constellation of my family, when, when I'm the mother and the wife, it's way harder for me to give to myself what I actually need because I can't really hear my own needs over the sound of everybody else's. It's so hard for me. So knowing that now it's like, okay, when I'm in that space, the first thing is like, I need alone time. I need solitude. I need to go out and be in nature for an hour alone. Or like I did last week, I need to take three days and be alone somewhere so I can like hear my own needs, you know, so I can listen to myself because I, I can't, I can't otherwise. So taking that space and that time so I actually have enough space around myself to identify how I can be kind to myself because most of the time I don't even hear that. My inner child is like screaming at me like, hey, I'm feeling left out. I'm feeling rejected. I'm feeling alone. And I don't notice until that panic attack is sitting on my chest at four in the morning, you know. And I think the practice in this, if you're working with anxiety and panic attacks and these things, isn't to how can I get right to the place where I never experience these things again? How do I make it all go away? Which is what we want. We want the anxiety to go away. It's like, how can I shorten that space? You know, how can I become more present with the little triggers and the little signs that my body and my inner child is showing me along the way, right? Before that panic attack gets there. Because when I really slow down and I look at my week, there was a lot of different moments there where I was checked out, right? Where I, for a variety of reasons, I don't have to beat on myself or judge myself for that, where I just couldn't be present with myself. I didn't have the space. I, I, I didn't, right? I chose other things. I, life chose other things for me. So how can I find those ways to make the everyday stuff sacred? To make the everyday boring chores, family life, whatever, to make it present? How can I be here for that part of my life so that life doesn't have to throw a brick at my head to listen and then I get present? Right, which is essentially what a panic attack is. It's like that brick to the head of like, you know, where are you? <laughs> Look at all this stuff that hurts. Like there's so much of it. It's overwhelming. It's taking over my whole body. It's like, how can I be so present in my day to day that I can actually feel those things as they approach? Right. So instead of putting out the fire after it's happened, I can tend to the things as they come up. And it's hard. I mean, it's hard to be a human being that loves herself. Like, honestly, I think if we were to envision a version of ourselves where self-love was easy, where we didn't feel like there's something wrong with us, where we felt like there's something right with us, 
I don't know if you saw, I posted on Instagram the other day, a video of Leia dancing. She did a choreographed uh, dance to Billie Eilish's Bad Guy song. And it's like a four minute video. I highly recommend you go watch it because it's just a, it's just a beam of light in, a, in, a, in our day. But just watching her dance and she knows I'm filming her. You know, it's kind of like a performance. She's being very seen, you know, in her dance and her facial expressions and how she moves her body. And it's she's in this essence of herself. There's no shame. There's no thought of, am I doing right or wrong? Is this looking good or bad? Or am I doing it the right way? Like none of that. She's just fully in her body dancing the dance that she loves, you know. And at the end of it, she immediately, she goes like, I am, I'm great at dancing. I'm so great at dancing, mom, but I'm not so great at basketball. You know, when I grow a little higher, I have to get higher and taller because the basket's really tall and I can't reach it. So I'm not so great at basketball, but I'm really good at dancing and I'm really good at doing this. And then she does this one dance move that she really practiced. And it's just like the non-attachment that this kid feels to, am I good or bad? The concept doesn't exist for her yet. Like, is there is there something right or wrong with me? She just is, right? And it's like, imagine growing up that way. And I pray to God every day that that she gets to have the kind of childhood that puts her in a place where she doesn't have to deal with this stuff, right? Which I know most of it is out of my control and I can only do the best I can. But imagine a version of her as an adult. Imagine We all loved ourselves. Like imagine we all just fucking loved ourselves and self-love was easy and we didn't feel all of this heavy stuff. If that was the case, life would still be hard. Like, are you kidding? In the version of the world where we, self-love is easy, life is still gonna be fucking hard because life is hard for a variety of reasons. Like the universe is always gonna throw us curveballs. Life is meant to be painful too, right? So adding this whole layer of having an inner voice telling us that we suck all the time, dude, it's fucking unfair. (laughs) It's pissing me off, quite frankly. (laughs) Like, it's a lot for us to carry. It's a lot for me to carry. And if you feel the same, if you resonate with any of these things I shared, like you're carrying a lot. You're doing a lot for so many Maybe the time has come you start doing a lot for yourself. Maybe the time has come for me to start doing a lot for myself. Hmm. I think we're going to simmer. We're going to simmer on that one. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this podcast. I didn't cry, but I, or did I cry? Maybe I cried. No, I did laugh. I um, I love you. 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 Feel this love reverberating through the ether, hitting your heart. <sighs> Thank you so much for your presence today. And um, I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and a huge thanks to all of my sponsors. Make sure you support them the same way they support this show. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio. And if you enjoy the show, please, please, please make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Yoga Girl Podcast Conversations from the Heart. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, and wherever you normally get your shows. I'll be back next week.